0: morning, everyone. I missed you all last week. Um, I especially missed you all as I was struggling through that um, long course on a very hot day. Me and Brittany back there, we both finished our marathon. We felt your prayers (laughs) as we went along. But most of all, I mean, I just felt incredibly loved after it all. Um, Hearing from so many of you, all your words of encouragement and your cheers. Um, You all know how to make some ladies feel loved. So thank you for that. Uh, The past few weeks, we have been walking through the prayers of the people. In other words, the prayers that you and I tend to pray. Um, And as I was reflecting on this this past week, it kind of occurred to me that, that, you know, we get older and our words, they get more flowery and our prayers, they get a little bit longer and we might try to be more sophisticated with it. But really, we are still praying the same basic prayers that we prayed when we were little kids, right? If you really boil them down, you can see that in essence, we still have the same cries of our heart. Uh, For example, as adults, we often pray prayers of praise, right? Thanking God for who he is and for what he's made and for all he has and is and and will do in our lives and in our world. And it's the same for kids. They have lots to thank God for. Um, However, they tend to be a little bit more succinct and specific and to the point. For example, I found this prayer of a kid. Dear God, I think the stapler is one of your greatest inventions. Why S? Ruth. Does anyone else want to praise God for a piece of office equipment today? I do. That copy machine, can you imagine if we didn't have that thing, right? Um, another example, you know, other times we as adults, we pray to God making requests, right? We, we pray for health and perseverance and, and for help in so many different ways. And kids, they have some requests to make. Here's a couple for us to take a look at. Dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big. Aw, right? But not with so much hair all over. <laughs> Sam, I have it on good authority that my Sam did not write this, But if the shoe fits, uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, Or what about this one? Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. (laughs) Jenny, I get it, Jenny. I agree. However, I would like to point out my birthday's in there. God, if you want to blow that day up a little bit and let's have a big old party, I'm good with it. Um, Sometimes when it comes to requests, we're not even, uh, we're, we're even, you know, apt sometimes to negotiate a little bit with God. Do you ever do this with God? Like, God, if you just do this one thing, then I will give or do anything you want. And kids, they get this too. Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I like how it's underlined so God won't miss the important parts, right? I will give you anything you want, except my money or my chess set, Raphael. I think I've prayed that prayer before. Um, and so at times, you know, as kids and adults, we pray and we make requests. And then other times we pray to God because we have questions. You know, sometimes things don't make sense. We want to know why. Uh, we want to know, you know, God, why aren't you doing the things I wish you would? Why didn't this happen? Um, why, why aren't you doing what I would prefer? And kids, they, they have some questions too. And so here's here's a good one. Dear God, are you a ninja? Is that why I can't see you, Jacob? I mean, it's hard to understand why we can't see God. We still have that question. Uh, But what about this one? Dear God, how come you didn't invent any new animals lately? We still have just all the old ones, Johnny. I mean, after you go to the zoo a few times, I get it, right? Like we need something exciting to grab our attention, But these kinds of prayers, prayers of praise, prayers that are requests, prayers that ask questions, these come very natural to us, whether we're kids or adults. However, the type of prayer that we are going to talk about today, I'm sad to say, did not have a cute kid version out there on the internet. It is a type of prayer that even as adults, we find very, very difficult to articulate. It has been called an unnatural act It is described as being achingly difficult, and it is the prayer of forgiveness. It's a hard one, isn't it? But Jesus himself, he models this type of prayer for us, and he shows us how this prayer is actually the source of so much goodness. Goodness. In Luke chapter 23 that we read together earlier, um, we we need to kind of be aware of of what's just happened leading up to that moment. Um, What has happened is Jesus has just been betrayed by one of the men that he calls a brother, and he's just been denied by another. He has been mocked and beaten and judged by his own people. He has been taken and handed over to the enemy Roman government whose governor, Pilate, wants to dismiss all these trumped-up charges but who caves underneath the pressure of the religious leaders and the crowd that are shouting for him to crucify Jesus. And so Jesus has marched toward his own death on Golgotha. He has had nails um, driven through his hands and through his feet And he has now been hoisted up for all to see as he suffers the most excruciating and cruel execution that they could dream up in that day and age. That is where we find Jesus, where we pick up our story today. And so as he hangs there, having already been beaten and betrayed, have already been, been mocked and manipulated, having already been through hate and humiliation, do you know what the very first words are that Luke records on Jesus's lips as he hangs there on the cross? A one sentence prayer. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now, in one sense, Jesus praying this prayer, it might not be all that surprising to us, right? Because this is, this is what Jesus has taught throughout his entire ministry. He is the same man who said for us to forgive that you might be forgiven, who taught us to pray Father, uh, to pray to our Father, forgive us our trespasses as, as we forgive those who trespass against us. He's the same one who who encouraged us not to just forgive our brothers seven times, but seven times, 70 times. He's the same one who told us not just to love our friendly neighbors, but to instead also love our fiercest enemies in life. In fact, it's been estimated that two thirds of Jesus's teachings are either directly or indirectly about Forgiveness. And so, again, in a sense, it's not surprising that these words would come from Jesus' lips as he's hanging there on the cross. You know, as, as we would say today, like, that's very on brand for Jesus, right? He was walking the talk in this moment. When the rubber met the road, Jesus shows us in this moment that he really meant all those things that he was talking about, not just in theory, but in actual, practical, real life. Father forgive them however what we need to understand that that while that might be surprising for us all these years later having hindsight hearing these words from Jesus what we need to understand is that these words they would have actually been very surprising to the ancient ears hearing them for the very first time Jesus he he wasn't making something up when he said to the people as he was teaching in his ministry you have heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Jesus wasn't pulling that out of thin air. That's what people heard all the time. It was the conventional wisdom of the day. Um, Let me give you a few examples of this. Um, The Greek writer, uh, Zephon, he said that a man should give help to his friends and give trouble to his enemies. I feel like I've seen that on a bumper sticker around town lately, right? Maybe you've seen it too. Um, on his literal deathbed, um, Cyrus of Persia, he gave this advice. This is the thing he wanted everyone to remember after he had died, okay? Take note of my last words. If you do good to your friends, you will also be able to punish your enemies. People, they didn't, they didn't pray to Zeus or the Roman gods asking for mercy for others. They didn't pray to those gods asking for forgiveness. No, they prayed to those gods to get what they wanted from those gods. And do you know what most people wanted <laughs> revenge and retaliation and retribution back to our kids prayers. I came across this one on the internet that made me wonder like what happened between these two kids, (laughs) dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year, Peter. It's yet another request, right? And, And so it does leave you thinking like Dennis Clark, what have you done here? Um, but on, a, on another level, it makes me wonder, like, you know, we laugh and we giggle at this. Isn't that cute? But have you ever kind of prayed this prayer to God? You know, a prayer of asking God to, to maybe, you know, just make the person who's giving you trouble disappear. Doesn't that seem so much easier than having to consider to forgive them, right? Um, if you flip through the Psalms, you'll definitely find that there are there are lots of Psalms asking God to do this very thing, right? Um, Psalm 104, it says, may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more, which is actually very polite compared to Psalm 55, which says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave, retribution, revenge, retaliation. That is what we so often want when we are wronged. But Jesus, he came along preaching a different message, not of revenge, not of retaliation, not of retribution, but of redemption. In fact, the idea of forgiving others was so unique to Jesus that uh, one scholar, Hannah Arendt, who was a political theorist who taught at... um, who taught at Princeton, so she's not a theologian, right? She's not even a follower of Jesus, but this is what she said. She said, The discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It is an unnatural and an unexpected prayer, way back then and still today. Today. But it is actually one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray. Why? Because it's been said that this is perhaps one of the only human actions through which we experience three goodnesses all at once. And I want to walk through those goodnesses with you today. First of all, when we pray for others' forgiveness, we experience God's goodness. As Jesus hangs there on the cross... He, he could have yelled out, I forgive you, right? He could have said that just as well to the crowd gathered around. But instead, he prays for God to do it. He says, Father, forgive them. And it seems to me that this is very intentional on Jesus's part. It seems to me that he is modeling something very important for us in this moment. Jesus, he knows that forgiveness is hard for us. He knows that it is unnatural and unexpected. He knows that we want revenge and retaliation and retribution. But here's what he also knows. Forgiveness is God's bread and butter. Good, uh, forgiveness is what God is in the business of. It is part of his glory that he loves his enemies without any problem at all. Grace was his idea. It is what God does. And so what Jesus is inviting us to do in this moment is to share what can feel like an impossible burden to us to the one who is so much more better, capable, and equipped than we are to do it. I was trying to think of a, a common struggle that, that we share to kind of illustrate this for us this week, and I really struggled to come up with something, um, and this might be a stretch, so I want you to go with me here, all right? Y'all ready? We're going to go there together, all right? But I do, I, I feel like this is one of the common struggles that all of us can, can share, and that is when you go and you purchase something at the store where some assembly is required those words are terrifying right <laughs> you get the thing you're excited to have the thing right you want you want the thing but then it's hard to make it happen. Um, you know, you get home and, and you open up the box and there may or may not be the directions that are supposed to be in there. Has anybody ever experienced opening it up and poof, nothing's there? Um, or you get the directions and they're very vague. They might as well be in a different language. You start getting out all the different pieces and you're pretty sure they're not all there. Um, you know, there's been many marriages and friendships tested by the situation. I'm sure that um, those who are in the counseling profession, see lots of people following these events. Um, but, um, you know, in my, in my own family, I couldn't help but think about a time when it was Christmas Eve night. My mom and dad, um, this is legendary, it gets told every year, they were getting everything ready for my sister and I to wake up the next morning and enjoy our new toys. And my dad had been given one job, one job, right? Mom did everything else. He was supposed to assemble a playhouse for us. And he was back in our toy room for like an hour and a half working diligently, and my mom went back to check on him, and in that hour and a half time frame, all he had managed to do is put the front door of the playhouse where the chimney was supposed to be. <laughs> he got fired that night, <laughs> and he was never asked to assemble anything again. but it's kind of like that, right? Like you're struggling, you've got all the stuff, you're trying to put it together. You, you, you just can't seem to do it. But what if the designer of what you're building showed up to your door and the designer comes in and he's able to tell you what to do and how to do it. And he gets in there and he helps you get it done. That would be awesome, right? And it would probably cost you a pretty penny. <laughs> but when it comes to forgiveness, that's That's what we're talking about here. It's like when we pray to God to help us forgive someone else, it's like we have the designer, the inventor, the the one who dreamt it up right there with us. And his goodness flows through us and it heals us and it strengthens us to help us do what we would not be able to do on our own. When we pray for others' forgiveness, we get to experience God's goodness But not only that, something else very important happens. We also remember the other person's goodness as well. Think about it. Um, We do this with our spouses. We do this with our friends. We do this with our family members. We do it with acquaintances and complete strangers. But someone harms us, and our tendency, our our, uh, kind of knee-jerk reaction is to only see that person's faults, right? We like zero in on what's wrong about them. Uh, we say that that person is just, and you can just kind of fill in the blank. They're just mean, they're just bad, they're just selfish, they're just evil, they're just any number of things. In essence, our, our instinct is to make them into an object. It is to dehumanize them. And why? Because it is a lot easier to stay angry and upset and to retaliate and to harbor hate if they are just whatever, fill in the blank. But if we see them as human, if we see them as a person, as Betty, not bad, as Eddie, not evil, as Susan instead of selfish, as Mark instead of mean, then it it makes us have to acknowledge that that person is made in God's image just like everyone else, that there is goodness in them and that they are deeply loved by God. They just happen to be imperfect like all of the rest of us. They uh, they are complex creatures just like you and me who have been shaped by their experiences, who don't always know how to love others well, who sometimes inflict harm upon others knowingly or unknowingly because they themselves have been harmed. Um, I was talking to Lincoln the other day on the way to school and uh, he's like, we, t- we talked about it. He said it was okay for me to tell this, but, uh, oh, he's changed his mind. You changed I your mind? <laughs> he said, are you going to tell that? Too late now. Too late. He's changed his mind. Uh, but he taught, me, he taught me something important. He reminded me of something important. So thank you for your wisdom, Lincoln. Uh, we were driving to school, and he was telling me about someone in his class who's been causing some trouble, um, and he was... Uh, he was saying some harsh things to Lincoln and his classmates. He was, he was just getting into all kinds of things. And, uh, but he'd gotten to go on a school trip for kids on good behavior. And Lincoln has a very strong sense of justice. So he was like, that's not fair. He shouldn't have gotten to go. The teacher just doesn't know that he's bad. You know, it's like starting to make him into that object, right? But then he sat in the back of the car and he thought for a few minutes and he said something that surprised me. He said, But I wonder if he does those things because his life is hard. He said to me that he's half homeless, is how he described it, right? Half homeless, that he doesn't have a car to go the places that he wants to go. I wonder if he is sad, and that's why he's acting that way to us. In that moment, Lincoln began to recognize, like, this kid is not an object. He's not just his actions. He is a person. He began to see him as human. And that's what Jesus was doing as he was there on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. And why? For they don't know what they're doing. You know, Jesus recognized that, that these people all playing a part in his crucifixion, these people who were doing wrong in that moment, even though they earnestly thought they were doing what was right in that moment, these people who were harming him, who were not loving well, that all of them were more than their actions that that they too were made in God's image and that there was goodness that was in them, that they were worthy of forgiveness. I appreciate um, the way Henri Nouwen talks about this. He says this, he says, As people who have hearts that long for perfect love, we have to forgive one another for not being able to give or receive that perfect love in our everyday lives. Our many needs constantly interfere with our desire to be there for the other unconditionally. Our love is always limited by spoken or unspoken conditions. What needs to be forgiven? We need to forgive one another for not being God. When we forgive others, we realize that, that they are being held to this standard of perfection by us, and we release them from that. We release them from the standard of perfection, and we allow them to be people we stop expecting them to be God, but recognize that they are made in God's good image. When we forgive others, we recognize their goodness. And then finally, we discover our own goodness in that moment as well. Um, when we get hurt, it is uh, very tempting for us to kind of nurse our wounds. It's Very tempting for us to to want to cling to to bitterness and grudges. It's, It's very easy for us to want to stay outraged about what has happened to us. It's easy for us to begin to define ourselves as the offended one or the betrayed one or the forgotten one. It's very easy to become a person whose identity has gotten all wrapped up in our pain. In some way, whenever we do this, I kind of think we're like trying to stick it to the other person, Right? But in truth, we're the only person who's getting hurt. We are being imprisoned by our bitterness in that moment. It keeps us stuck where we are and it keeps us disconnected from the, the full life that Jesus so wants for us. But as Pope John Paul II has said, he says, forgiveness is the restoration of freedom to oneself. It is the key held in our own hand to our prison cell. I want you to hear that again. <laughs> Forgiveness is the key in our own hand to our prison cell. And Pope John Paul II, he kind of got this. Let me tell you why. On May 13, 1981, uh, Pope John Paul II was riding along in what we Americans sometimes lovingly call the Pope Mobile. right? Um, you know, now it's got the bulletproof glass all around it, wherever he goes. This is why there was that bulletproof glass wherever it goes now. He was going through St. Peter's Square in the Vatican when a man fired four shots into the crowd. Um, Two of them struck him at close range in his abdomen. And so he suffered severe uh, blood loss, but he ultimately did survive this attack. His attacker, uh, Mehmet Ali Agha, He uh, fled the scene, but was later captured, and he was sentenced to life in prison. He really never showed any remorse for what he did during that that time period of him being sentenced. But two years later, the Pope himself showed up to his prison cell. He had come to forgive the man who had wanted him dead. There's no audio of this conversation, um, but there was some video footage and some pictures that were taken that day. And so you can see them together Um, in one of the pictures, you can see the Pope tenderly holding the hand that once held the gun that was meant to kill him. And then at the end of their meeting together, um, Aqua, he either kissed the Pope's ring or he placed the Pope's um, forehead to his hand, both of which are, uh, are signs of respect. Uh, the, The hand to the forehead is a Muslim gesture of respect. The truth is the Pope, he could have remained just as locked up as, as his attacker, just in a different way. He could have remained imprisoned by his anger and his bitterness, but he left that cell a free man that day. And 30 years later, when Aqua was released, he went back to Rome where he had once gone to kill the Pope, but this time he came to, to lay a dozen white roses at his tomb. He had been changed by the Pope's goodness. When we forgive others, not only does God's goodness flow through us, it causes others to see that goodness in us. Our freedom invites others to find freedom as well. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus, he died a free man that day. There was no anger or bitterness that was standing in his way. And the goodness that was in him was put on full display. And as a result, at least one person found freedom that day. You know, the scripture we read earlier, it talked about two men hanging beside Jesus on the cross. And one of those two men, having overheard the prayer of Jesus, having watched, watching, getting to watch his goodness up close, he asked Jesus to remember him in paradise. And I'm going to guess that there were others that day who maybe not right away, but eventually over time, recalled that goodness of Jesus and who were also changed. When we pray for others' forgiveness, we experience God's goodness. We remember others' goodness. And we, um, we discover our own goodness. It is a very unnatural prayer for us to pray. But, oh, there's so much to gain. I want to be clear here, okay? When we talk about forgiveness, it doesn't mean that that person is released from from the consequences, the natural consequences of what they've done. Aqua, he stayed in prison for 30 more years, right? Um, It doesn't mean that we let people walk all over us. It doesn't mean that we have to become their best friends. But here's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness means that we are letting go of our need for that revenge and retaliation right? It means that we are no longer carrying that weight around with us. And so maybe you need to let go of that need today. Maybe you have um, been held captive for some time by bitterness, by hate, and you've wanted to let it go, but you just haven't known the words to pray. And so I'd invite you to just take a cue from the kids and from Jesus today. No flowery speech required. Simply pray, Father, forgive them. And be prepared to experience God's goodness. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come today forgiving others as those who are in great need of forgiveness for ourselves. God, we confess to you that we often ignore the people around us or we toss them aside the difficult ones, the needy ones, the ones who challenge our comfortable ideas. We confess that it's not really about them but about us we confess that we struggle to love even those closest to us in our families our friends our neighbors we are not always patient we are not always kind we are proud we are easily angered we often keep records of wrongs we come before you god in humility for we do not love you with our whole heart And we do not love our neighbor as ourselves. Forgive us, we pray. Show us again how to love others the way that you love us. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Amen.